0: It is a real joy and a privilege to be able to be with you this morning. I bring greetings from your brothers and sisters at Heritage, and uh, we really are excited about the, the partnership and are praying that the Lord would use that joint ministry to really minister to our community with the gospel and with the fruit of the gospel as well. And so I I thank you for the the privilege, the delight of being able to share with you this morning. Look forward to doing more things like this as well. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me, please? Our text for this morning is 2 Kings chapter 5. It's in the center of the account of the ministry of Elisha. Chapters 2 through 8 uh, give us that uh, overview of his ministry and right at the center of the account comes this conversion of a Gentile it's in the center of the account that we have of Elisha's ministry it's in the center of this particular story as well and so here now the word of God 2nd Kings chapter 5 beginning at verse 1 Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Let us pray. Father, would you open our hearts, open our ears to this morning, be able to hear your word, to receive it, to understand it, to believe it. Father, we know that apart from the work of the Spirit, we would be deaf and blind. But you have given us your spirit. And so, Lord, now by the spirit lead us, I ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A few days before I got married, I drove up to Massachusetts to look for an apartment because I was going to be starting school four days after my wedding. That was not a real smart move, mind you. Uh, But, so, arriving in uh, north of Boston, I get out the newspapers. You had to do that. There were were times when you actually used a newspaper to find things. And uh, started looking for an apartment and found one that said, uh, eventually took it, that uh, part of the advertisement was convenient to shopping. What that actually meant was uh, the bay window of the apartment looked out on the A&P parking lot, so it was indeed convenient to shopping. My daughter lives in New York City and has to move from time to time, and she loves the ads there, now online. Exposed brick. That means the plaster's all been chipped away, okay? Okay. Um, contemporary, built in the 70s and not updated since. Retro, built in the 50s and not updated. Laundry, laundry facilities close by. No hope of finding them in the building, let alone in the apartment itself. And it's it's on, and on. cozy. That was one of her favorites. That uh, ultimately means the size of a closet, and it has none of those. So. Advertisers, they're really good at shaping our expectations about things. And what we see this morning in the characters that are presented to us in this story from the life of Elisha are the expectations of a number of people and how drastic, how drastically different those expectations are in regard to our faith and in regard to the truth. Naaman, he's the first that we meet. Naaman is this um, mighty, great man, high favor, mighty man. Meet the commander, the commander of the armies of Syria, the commander who has had, had victories in his campaigns against Israel. The commander is a leper. Now, we don't usually think of those two things as going hand in hand, but there it is. Now, this is not Hansen's disease as we think of leprosy today. It's. Skin diseases of any, uh, all sorts of uh, varieties, uh, psoriasis, scabies, and we think of many others. He's still able to serve the Lord, uh, serve his king. That is, he's not, in a sense, ceremonially unclean and, and sent away from him. But the disease would be humiliating, it would be uncomfortable, he would be unclean, he'd be an outcast in many ways, socially out. Well, on one of those raids, they brought back from Israel a young girl, a little girl, a young Israelite. Now, gentlemen, you know, if you've been away from home on a trip, and I guess today many women do it as well, but I don't know if you do the same thing. Guys go away. They've been away for a week or more, you know, uh, I'll pick up a little present for my wife. Okay. Naaman thinks, huh? I'll bring back a little servant for her. How nice, you know, what a present for her. Think of this little girl. This is the next person we meet, really. Ripped out of her home. She might have seen her parents slaughtered before her, if not carried off into slavery themselves. Brought to this new household. Her faith likely to be mocked, because after all, it was her God that allowed her town her peoples to be overrun and herself brought into captivity. But look at the expectation we see of the Lord, the God that she knows. She is secure enough in her faith to be able to say to Naaman's wife, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Her expectations of what God can do are pretty bold, aren't they? There's a just a quick aside here, if I may. I think the most shocking thing in these opening two verses are not the commander and the leper. I think the most shocking thing is in two verses we read and are confronted with God's absolute sovereignty over nations and armies. Did you catch that it was the Lord that gave Israel into the hands of Syria? And his absolute authority over individuals and personal circumstances. God has placed this little girl in that home so that his glory can be revealed. As I say, an aside but I think an important one for us to see. And so we're, we're beginning to see uh, the expectations in regard to the faith of these characters. So someone convinces Naaman, would you go to your king who immediately sends him to the king of Israel? What expectations are there? It would be Joram or Jehu, we're not sure which. We can't place the time exactly. But neither of them were men who followed the Lord. And so when the, Syrians king, when the Syrian king's request comes with this great gift that he wants to give to the king, it's a reasonable assumption on the part of the king of, Assyria, of the Syrians that the prophet would be in the employment of the king. A reasonable assumption. Now, this king does have his prophets, They just happen to be prophets of Baal. And the one real prophet he has, he doesn't want to see at all. Elisha is off somewhere in the wilderness. And he has no confidence in these prophets of Baal. He understands God has the authority to give life and to take it away. But for his prophets or he himself to somehow bring healing and deliverance, beyond his scope of imagination, beyond his expectations of how God works. And so in fear, he tears his robes. Now Elisha hears about it. The next one we're intro- to whom we are introduced. And what does he say? Send him to me. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me now that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. What a contrast we see already in those expectations. Mrs. Naaman's little servant girl, full of confidence in the God who she knows. The king of Israel, the faithless one, no trust in the God of the prophets. He expects disaster. Although his name is king of Israel, that is, may God prevail or El prevails, God prevails. He's a fraud. There's nothing, there's no real faith there. None, nothing to expect from him. I just, I wonder day by day, where do you find yourself? The faith of a little girl, no matter what the odds, saying, my God is great. Go to him. He'll give strength. He'll heal. He'll deliver. Or I'm confronted with something that seems to be beyond my own strength and abilities, and I fold. Now what do I do? Instead of looking to the one who can deliver, who can save. So enter Elisha. Send him to me. And so off goes Naaman. With his entire entourage, you understand that's the picture we're supposed to have here, with his chariots and his horses, and he comes in his, in his garb as the commander of the armies, and he's got all these attachments and attaches or whatever you want to call them. So makes quite a stir in the neighborhood. You know, they're just not used to seeing this happen over at Elisha's place. Chariots everywhere. And Naaman comes to the door with his expectation. His expectation is, of course, respect. His expectation is, this man uh, is going to come out to me, and he's going to I'm going to offer my gift to him, which, of course, he's going to accept. And then he's going to call upon his, the name of his Lord, and he's going to wave his hands, and he's going to make some incantation, and I'm going to be healed. He's going to show me deference, as a man who has conquered in many ways portions of Israel, but what actually happens? Well, Naaman's uh, expectations, I'm afraid, are sorely disappointed, because Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He sends out some servant. Does he invite him into his house? No. Does he come and say, "Oh, let me, let me, I just, I'm so honored to have you here. What can I do for No. None of that. Some servant goes out and says, go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. And he's furious. He's enraged that he would be treated like this. Now, is, is uh, Elisha lacking in social skills? You know, I don't think so. He understands hospitality. Is Elisha afraid that if he gets near this leper, he will be ceremonially unclean, ceremonially unclean? He won't be able to uh, uh, go to the Sabbath tomorrow. No, that's not it at all. No, the problem is it, Naaman needs to understand he is treated like a leper who needs to be healed Because he is. Naaman needs to be humbled before the Lord. Elisha is not going to come out to him because it's not Elisha's power that he needs to trust in. He needs to see the power of God. And he needs to see that his pride may stand in the way of receiving God's grace. He has to part with it. And so he receives these very unwelcome instructions. Why can't I go to the Abana, the far part? I mean, the, the glorious rivers of Syria and still this, instead of this muddy Jordan? And so he stomps off in a rage. What's wrong with the rivers of, of Syria? What's wrong with the path that I, why couldn't he just send a message over there? You see, that's so much like so many who hear the gospel, because the gospel is so simple isn't it? Repent and believe. Repent. Turn away from your sin, your pride, your arrogance, whatever it is that is holding, and believe. Believe what? One thing in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And how many people say, no, no, I've already found a way. Use my way. It can't be that simple. Just give me a task. Give me something to do. I'll go do that. Or... You know, it's the exclusivity of the gospel that people really fight against. There has to be something I can do, something I can add. I can figure out the way. I can make any way that I want. God, of course, is an egalitarian. Whatever way we choose, God will accept, right? No, no, not at all. And Naaman needs to learn that there is one true God. Now, thankfully, his servants help him to focus on the words of the prophet. He said, wash and be clean. It's worth a try. And so Naaman goes to the Jordan in obedience, if not in enthusiasm, dips himself seven times and comes out clean, skin like that of a little child. Little child. How many of you have held, most of you, a little child? You know, you don't even want to touch them with your hands because they're too rough for that smooth, beautiful skin. Oh, to have that! <clears throat> I am turning into one gigantic keratosis. Okay, if I live long enough, that's all I will have on my body anymore. There won't be any actual skin left. Man, am I looking for that new body, that incorruptible one, for more reasons than one, obviously. And so uh, you think about that, you know, as Naaman goes back to Syria. Every woman in America, I mean Syria, wants to meet Elisha, to have skin like that. Totally unblemished. Who needs makeup? Forget it. There's nothing to cover. There are no wrinkles. It's just like that baby's skin. Wow. He was healed. But what takes place as a result of that? At verse 15. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. That is before Elisha. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth. But in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. And then a pang of conscience. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there. When my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there. When I bow down, when I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And he said, Go in peace. Go in peace. And I missed that. Leaning on my arm. His king would go in, leaning on the arm of Naaman to worship. And he would have to kneel himself. The Lord pardon your servant in this manner. And Elisha says, Go in peace. You see what's happened here, brothers and sisters right here at the center of the passage, right here at the center of the mission of the ministry of Elisha, right at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, he says, I am calling the Gentiles. I am bringing them in. And they will hear this message. And they will find the living God. And of course, in Jesus' day, that was the last thing they wanted was that their God would share His grace and glory with the Gentiles. But He gives His testimony. It's marvelous, isn't it? I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. There is only one God who can heal, who can revive, who can renew, who can restore, who can forgive. And I am his servant five times in four verses. Your servant, your servant. Now, Elisha won't take the gift, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And when he won't, Naaman says, I want some dirt. I want a bit of earth. This earth. Two donkey loads. What's that all about? In 1825... Uh, the Marquis de Lafayette, who had fought for this for the birth of this nation, who was instrumental in bringing France to their aid, who himself uh, commanded uh, in such a way that his support helped to swing the battle in the favour of that continental army and their victory. In 1825, he came back to visit the land that he loved and had served so well. And when he returned home, he took with him dirt from Bunker Hill to be buried under it. Because although he was a, king, he was a, a citizen of France, he had a new allegiance. And so the American flag, even today, flies on that grave in Paris, at the, at, uh, at the grave of Lafayette. It's where, very famously, General Pershing and his, his aide, Colonel Stanton, came July 4th, 1917. And Stanton, in his speech, declared, Lafayette, nous voila, Lafayette, we are here. Fulfilling a promise that had been made 100 years earlier, more than 100 years earlier to see them brought to deliverance. Do you see what Naaman is doing? He has a new allegiance. Yes, he is a citizen of Syria. He is a servant of the king. He is going to have to wheel him around and help him get and have him bow down. But he will worship the living God and none other. He will take that dirt and he will pour it out at his own home and there he will establish that place, an an altar unto the Lord, a a place on which he can stand on that ground of the only living God and offer his worship, a new allegiance, and he'll take home the dirt in order to stand on that new home. Think about that. Wow. Wow. And in that, he recognizes immediately, uh-oh, I'm going to, have to, I'm going to have to continue to serve my king. Can I do that and not violate this commitment? Can I go in, him on my arm, take him, bow down, knowing full well I do not worship this false god. It may as well be meat offered to an idol. Can I do that? He asks Elisha. And Elisha says, go in peace. You know, isn't that kind of the world you and I live in all the time? We have to serve people who are not servants of the living God. Unless you are the absolute top of the chain in terms of your company or corporation or position, you're going to have to serve people who probably, many of them in their hearts and in their lives are serving other gods. Can you do that in a good conscience? not offering worship to them and not worshiping what they worship. Different goals, different desires, different ends, different hopes, different expectations of what this world holds and what the next world holds. Yes, we must. Now, there will be times when we'll be called to do things that violate that that worship that we render, and and sometimes we're going to have to step back and say, I can't do that because you are requiring me to worship that which I dare not worship. But that's the tension in which we live, brothers and sisters. We live there. Naaman understood it, so did Elisha. But this man has truly come to a saving faith, trusting in the only God who can deliver, who now has an entirely new life and allegiance. In many ways, this was kind of bad news for for the Israelites, for a very syncretistic people. Where was their testimony? Where's their resolve to worship only Yahweh? Where's their tender conscience? We see it in Naaman. But Elisha demonstrates that we see it in Israel only in the remnant, like a little girl carried off into Syria, but still worshiping the Lord. God was calling the gentiles. Jesus clearly understood it and declared it. And so he was calling Israel to repent and to return to their Lord. Now, Naaman tries to give the gift to Elisha. And Elisha says absolutely not. I cannot take it. I don't heal. I don't save. I don't restore. I don't make I don't renew. God does. And if you are going to try and repay him, the price is beyond what you can imagine and beyond what you can pay. You see, here's where our passage begins to point us to the gospel. Because the price for that redeeming work, the price for that salvation, that cleansing, that that new allegiance, that new home has been paid. In Jesus Christ. God would have to make that payment, that price. Jesus, in his ministry, knew it from day one. He knew that it would end in the cross. He knew that it would end in sacrifice. And he knew that it could only be the Son of God who could bear the cost to bring that saving grace and favor. That's why there's only one way. Because only one could pay the price. Naaman needs to understand that the gift of God, the grace of God is a gift. It is not for sale. You can't bribe him. You can't manipulate them like the pagans try to do. God is not like the other gods, nor is his servant like the other gods servants, and the gift of God is life, eternal life. It can't be bought by anything we have. It can only be received by faith. So if you're sitting here trying to figure out how is it that I can be clean? How is it that I can be forgiven? How is it that I can be made new and have life again? There's only one hope, and that's in the gift that's already been given, the price that's already been paid that is received not by anything that I can offer or bring. There's nothing you have. We are the leper. And so we offer ourselves in humility and repentance and trust like a little girl. Jesus paid that price. And Elisha has no business taking payment for it, and he will not. Now, sadly, this passage, this this whole episode ends with a terrible deception and with a tremendous warning to us and to the world, because Gehazi, his servant, it appears was captured by the treasures of this world, not by the riches of the kingdom of God, and so greed Undermines the gospel. And so he, after Naaman has left, he and his entourage, waits for them to get off a ways, claims, he actually blasphemes the Lord. Because you'll remember, Elisha said, As the Lord lives, meaning by the power of God, this man will be cleaned. Naaman or Gehazi, rather, makes a similar statement in verse 20. As the Lord lives. In other words, it's the will of the Lord. I will run after this this Syrian whom he clearly despises as you read the passage. And I'll get a gift from him. And so he blasphemes the Lord. This is the Lord's will that I do this. He lies about, he tells a lie that makes Elisha a liar. You know, the custom was, I bring you the gift because I have want something from you. You say, oh, no, no, no. Oh, yes, please, please. Oh, no, no. Yes, yes, please, please. And then I take the gift. Okay? And as far as Naaman is concerned, well, he just carried it a little bit farther. He just waited till I got away. He sends his servant. Sure, I'll send you, uh, you know, the talents and I'll send you some clothes. He has murdered the character of Elisha. It's an incredible lie from beginning to end. And of course, he comes back and thinks that Elisha won't know. What kind of expectations about the authority and the power of God does he have? Does Gehazi have? And Naaman says, where were you? Oh, nowhere. The leprosy that was upon that man is now upon you and upon your posterity. It will never pass from you. You see, as soon as we change the gospel, as soon as we start preaching something different, as soon as we alter it, which is exactly what Gehazi was doing, oh, hey, we'll take the gift. Yeah, the grace is great, but you can pay us for it. Because the things of this world, boy, do I want them. The price will be paid. Last week, um, yeah, I think it was just last week, Jesse Duplantis, did you read this? A TV preacher, Uh, needs a $54 million jet in order to continue his unparalleled ministry to the lost. It needs to be one that can travel at least 5 to 5,800 miles on on one filling, so he doesn't have to keep stopping. And he can't, of course, fly on these um, commercial flights because of all the demons that keep him from ministry. And so if you will just help me buy my $54 million jet, you will be blessed by God. Now that's the health wealth gospel taken to its exponential ends. Isn't it? The gospel and. That is another gospel. Flee these things. When someone says to you, if you want to be blessed, then you give me what you have and God will bless you. If you want to be blessed, it will be your financial blessing. You'll be healthy. You won't get sick ever. All your needs are always going to be met. I'm sure that's exactly what Paul was thinking in the end of his days. Boy, I missed something. How is it that I can be content with nothing? If I was really walking with God, well, I'd be rich and healthy. And uh, it's another gospel, Flee because it's so dangerous he lies about God grace and and of course Paul says to the Galatians in one verse eight someone preaches you another gospel let him be accursed let him be accursed and so those consequences fall upon Naaman what us upon Gehazi What a contrast. Naaman, a foreign leper, is cleansed and converted. Gehazi, a native Israelite, is left unclean and rejected. We look to Christ alone for grace to stand. And we have the pictures of Naaman and that little girl to see that Grace comes. It can't be bought. We can't make bargains for it or deals with God. We can't manipulate God or those who love him in order to get it. Instead, we bow before him or we are bowed by him. So what's the ground that you stand on? What dirt are you going to be buried in? He takes that token so he doesn't forget so that he remembers every day as he gets up that there is this land to which I now belong. God doesn't give us dirt so that we remember. God doesn't give us dirt as a sign or a a symbol of his love for us and his care and his provision. What does he give to those who believe? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ who now lives in us by faith to keep us, our eyes and our hearts, fixed on things above, on the home that awaits us. Lay hold of it, brothers and sisters. Lay hold of the gospel always. And may your expectations be what God has promised that the work that he has done, he will bring to completion. Because it depends on you? No, it depends on the one who has already made the way for you. Father, open our ears, our hearts, our lives to receive gifts incomparable, life and eternal life, unchanging Father, help us to see and to trust. Grant us those expectations of your glory revealed in this life. And Lord, may may we be your instruments in seeing your servants come to know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.